Welcome to the Vine Life Podcast. We're a church in Manchester who love Jesus, each other and our city. Catch up on this week's message and more. Hey, it's good to be here. Um, a lot of you won't know me and that's fine. Um, some of you I know from um, um, formerly city groups and the small groups and things like that and connected with one or two of you. Um, I want to talk about this today, about God in the wilderness. I don't know about you, but so I, I have been in church life all my life. So apparently the first time I went to a church meeting when I was two days old, and that was a long time ago. And I've been in it ever since. Um, ups and downs. Um, I've always been one of these people who questions things. I'm, I'm a half glass full person, but I like to disrupt things because I like to disrupt my own life. And um, to challenge me. And I don't know about you, but in the rhythms of my life, what I see more and more is that actually we, we go f- through the, the elements of, of silence and storms and familiarity. That, that's largely what we do in our life, in our Christian life, our day-to-day life. So you, none of us really knows so how you've come here today, what you actually are facing, what are you coping with, what's happening in your life. It, it may be absolutely wonderful today, and you're walking around with the Shekinah glory going around in your head all the time. But for most of us, I don't think that's the case. I think we actually recognize that we go through um, life with a series of silence and storms, and, and then occasionally we have a moment. <laughs> we have a moment with Jesus. And they're precious. And they're wonderful. But the majority says we have to learn how we walk through the silence and the storm. And sometimes the storms are just a little bit of a wind. Sometimes they're like full-on hurricanes. But we have to learn how to navigate, how to walk through. Because I want to tell you, even if you don't know this and don't feel it, Jesus is still there. He's still walking with you. Sometimes I don't want him to walk with me. Sometimes I think, I just don't want you around anymore, you know. But he still walks with me. And I want to encourage him this. I'm going to take this um, very quickly um, about the God in the wilderness. And I'm going to flip it, not in the sense of, of a negativity, but actually in the fact that we live most of our time in the wilderness. Not in a negative way. I'm going to flip it in a positive way and, and take it. I remember years ago walking through the jungles of Guatemala and I, and I remember actually going through the Sahara Desert and sleeping in the, the night of the sky. And I was just filled with awe. remember sailing on the Pacific Ocean another time and just seeing the vastness of this sea. And it did something to me. If you remember in the Bible, uh, we've got the story of Moses where he was walking. It wasn't unfamiliar to him. And it wasn't unfamiliar that he saw a burning bush. But the problem was with this bush, it didn't burn up. It kept on burning. Something different happened. Israel, going through their own testing times of, of being in Israel. Now then, I've just realized I've no clock here. and I know I'm on a bit later. So, so Andy, I'm going to say to you, mate, when it gets to 5 to 12, just tell me, okay? Don't want to go on. Take my time. Um, they walked through in, the, in, in actually learning what it was like to really be these people of God. Jesus went into the wilderness Because he was reversing some things for the first Adam did. And he was saying, this is going to change. This is going to change. See, the wilderness spirituality is different. There's this overwhelming sense of connection and interrelationship with other people. 
when I was in those places I mentioned in Guatemala and um, in um, in the um, Sahara and the Pacific Ocean, I remember the closeness I had with people who were with me. There was a closeness about it, a sense of connection. There was a heightened sense of awareness. Oh, my word. In the Sahara Desert where there's no noise pollution, no light pollution, and you're lying there in the middle of the night, and there's billions of stars above you. A sense of awareness, an elevated consciousness. It was cognitive. It was intensely spiritual in all those places. What if this is how we saw our wilderness places? Our everyday scattered places. Those things of connection, a high sense of awareness, an elevated consciousness of place. You see, when you encounter God in the wilderness, it demands a different way of seeing and being. Let's have this scripture up. This is not unfamiliar to most of you. And it says, see, <laughs> I am doing a new thing. Now, I, I think we're at a place in our church community here where of all the stuff we've gone through, especially this last couple of years, and, and, and on top of that, we've got the whole thing of the pandemic and we've got um, challenged economically. Actually, the challenge that Jesus gives to us is, see, I'm doing a new thing in us as individuals, in us as a community. In fact, I think it's even wider than that. I think God's up to something around this country, around this world in a new way. Those of you who have been following faith for a long time in Christ, you would understand that there's rhythms and flows. People come and go. Churches come and go. But actually the one conscious is this Jesus who walks with us. He's with us and he's not going to let us go. See, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do not perceive it. And that's the challenge we've got in our community here. We've got to perceive what this new thing is for us. For us, not just for us because our own um, um, sense of identity as a community, but for this city, for where you are in your everyday places, your wilderness place, where he's doing a new thing and he's perceiving. And he says, I am making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. That is what he's doing. And when you see it, when you see it differently, when you walk around in those everyday spaces, in your familiar spaces of your street, of your familiar places when you go to leisure, in your familiar places when you're walking in your streets around your village town or the city of Manchester, when you see it, Everything changes. Everything changes. And this is what happened to me. When I came to an understanding, I had my epiphany moment that years ago when I was in, in Nottingham and I was helping to build a large church in there, and my whole sole goal was to fill the church building. That's what it was. And we did it okay. And then I had an epiphany moment one time when I was reading the book of Genesis again about the, the day of new beginnings and the initial beginnings when God said, our mandate is to fill the earth. And it hit me. And it changed my life. It changed my life. And it, it disrupted it massively. And it eventually brought me to Manchester, where I came to live and die. It disrupted me that much. Because I knew this was my place of calling. Because we are to fill the earth. And if we're going to fill the earth, we have to be people in the wilderness. We have to be people who know what it's like to live in the wild. And this is not some just triumphalistic trivia. 
This is a way, and I think a way of thinking. This is how we actually do. And so, what I've done over the years, I have tried to create, learn practices. Because when I was in my church building, it was really easy to have a time with Jesus. <laughs> it was really easy to jump around and dance, even when people weren't there, because it was a holy place. It was a sacred space. But I had to learn to recognize He's peaceful in the earth. I have to change some of my practices, and this is what I do. First, next slide. First word. Hinani. Hinani is a Hebrew word, and it literally means, I am here. That's what it means. Hinani. I am here. Now, the, the thing about this is, when you create practices, the challenge to actually recognize that in those evidence spaces, so I, I've met some of you here in different coffee shops. I love coffee. You know, those who know me, I love coffee. And I've met you in these places. I love to go in coffee places around Mansell, whenever I'm meeting people, or when I go around to businesses, when I go around to see teachers in schools, when I'm in hospitals meeting um, health people. They, that's my wilderness. That's my everyday space. And I absolutely love it. And I say, Hineni. I am here. And what I'm saying is to God, is say, God, one, I recognize I'm available for you to use in whatever way you want to do. And I also recognize you're here as well. You're here as well. And I say, Hineni. And, and often, most times, that's where it stops. But then, sometimes, I say this. Kadosh. Kadosh. Because Kadosh means holy. And sometimes when I'm in those places, my everyday places, I feel a holy time. I feel a moment. And I then say, okay, I'm not quite sure what that means, but this is what I'm going to do. Next slide. I want to tell you a very quick story, and it will include all these, all these things here. So one day, just in my everyday space, it wasn't a time of a holy time or anything like that. I was at my barber's and I was having my hair cut. And, us, and this haircut, it's about um, this place I go is, is about 20 feet long and about 10 or 12 feet wide. So it's not a big place. And it's where all the blokes go, okay? So there was me and my barber and there was a barber next to me and his client and there was one guy waiting. So it was a very small area. And there was all this sort of banter going on, which blokes do sometimes, bantering around. And this one guy next to him was having his hair cut. He was effing and jeffing. He was swearing away like anything. And the guy who was doing my hair, because he knows me, he knew me for a long, long time, I've done my hair. He said, oh, you better be careful. This guy's a holy man. Now, you can imagine suddenly being outed in that scenario, which was so totally normal. And I thought, okay... And so immediately when this guy said to this other guy, so you're not one of those holy people, are you? He said, you don't believe all those myths, do you? And I said to him, well, what sort of myth do you mean? Now, straight away I recognized that he had some understanding. For him to say all these myths, he must have had an understanding of Bible somehow. And so we talked. He said, yeah, that thing about the fish. You know, the, that, what was that thing about? I mean, what a stupid story that is. And so I said to him, I says, you, you do realize that story that you're relating to has nothing to do with fish. Do you know that? He says, well, what do you mean? So, I mean, there wasn't a big audience in, but there was, there was four of them. And I says, well, are you related in any sort of way or connection to the Manchester bomb that happened? He said, well, yeah. He says, how? He says, well, my friend lost his cousin. She was a girl and she lost, lost her. 
I said, so if I was going to say to you, you go to the family of the guy who did that and say, I forgive you, what do you say? Now, I won't repeat what he said in this setting, but he was off effing and jeffing again. I said, of course you wouldn't. I'd, I'd, I'd like to think I would, but I don't know if I would. But see, that is the point of the story. You see, the connection with actually the Manta Bomber is this, is because when this story was told, this guy Jonah was told to go to a place called Nineveh. Now, you won't know the name Nineveh, but modern Nineveh is a place called Mosul. And straight away he said, Mosul, that's where ISIS started, isn't it? I said it was. So there was all those years ago when this story happened, God was telling this guy Jonah to go to Mosul, now Nineveh, to say you're forgiven. That's the connection with you and this story. And he said, forgive them. And that's what this myth is all about. It's about forgiveness. And then he went very quiet. Next slide. And then my barber, just to break the silence, said, so how do you think Man United are going to do this weekend? <laughs> and in those days, they were doing pretty good. <laughs> Moments like this. Now, listen, hey, just to debunk the idea, I'm not one of these crazy evangelists. You know, I, I am not one of those people... I am shy away from that sort of stuff. You know, I can tell you many stories I won't do. But actually, I'm just a normal person who's trying to live in the wilderness to have a heightened awareness that Jesus is there, that he's walking. And I'm telling you, in our streets of Manchester, Jesus is walking. That's why people like Neil can tell us about Barnabas and tell these stories because Jesus is walking around and that's what, he want, that's what God wanted Jonah to do. He wanted to walk in the streets. He wanted to get the dust on his feet, sweat and blood, because there was something happening, because God loves the wilderness. His people live there. And that's why we are there, the great privileged ones, to actually say, listen, in all our brokenness, in all my doubts, this is how I do life. This is what I believe. I don't know if you've ever thought about the story in um, Acts 16 you know, with Paul and Silas. And you know, this is where I sometimes, because I, as a kid, I used to ask myself all these questions. Where I used to have all these Bible stories, you know, read to me. And I used to always be asking questions. But the moment I said, just quiet, just listen. But I was asking the question, you know, well, if Paul had gone through all this and he was one of these great people who found God and everything, what was he doing being beaten up and put in prison? I mean, what, what's, what's, that, what's that deal? You think this guy has got, you know, everything, the freedom and, you know, surely he could do stuff. But he was in prison in Acts 16, you can see, with Paul and Silas. And they were singing the latest Bethel songs of their day, you know, and all this sort of stuff. They were singing these choruses. I don't know if I'd be doing that. And suddenly in the midst of all that, suddenly an earthquake came. The earthquake came. And the prison warder, the guy in charge of the prison, he was absolutely freaked out. Because he saw, oh no, I know what's going to happen, that something's going to happen and all these prisoners who I'm responsible for are going to run away. And so he was at the point, I'm going to kill myself, I'm going to kill myself. This is the wilderness. And he shouted, and he's desperate. And what did Paul say? We are still here. 
<laughs> Have you thought about that? If it was me, I would say, oh, yes, it's an answer to prayer. Let's get off quick. Run away. It's the salvation of God. But Paul and Silas didn't. Because they were used to living in the wilderness. They knew that spiritual wilderness. They knew how to, how to respond and react. They had that sense of awareness and knew now's the time not to run. Now's the time to stay and see what God is going to do. Now is the time. We are still here. Oh my word, I want to say to you, every one of us, we are still here. Well done. Oh my word. Oh my word. Every one of you will have your own personal stories of wanting to run away. But you're still here. And there's a reason for that. I believe that we are going to move into the greatest time of creativity than we've ever seen before in our, in our city and the surrounding districts. I believe that. How do I believe that? Because I'm looking at them. They're incredible creative people who are here. I know there are. Who work in all sorts of different situations of teaching and in health and um, all sorts of clever IT stuff. Presenting things. Making something visual. Oh my word. <laughs> I love that. And all the places, places working neonatal units. Oh my word. Times to have the hind awareness of saying, yes, God, I am here. We are still here. Allow us to do. Yesterday, very quickly, um, when um, I was in the time of our prayer and fasting thing, I do encourage you to get along to some of those if you can, whatever it may be. And, and some of the things that were said in that time, very quickly, there was Delia who said, we're going to speak with one voice, one-heartedness. Absolutely, yes, we have to do. Phil spoke about a fresh fire and a fresh faith. Yes. Amen. Phil also spoke about not to panic. You know, Satan loves to bring panic into our life. He always does. And we get irrational, we get illogical, we make wrong decisions when we start panicking because he wants to destroy us and destroy community. But Jesus brings peace. In the midst of all the stuff, the silence and the storms, he brings peace. And it's a crazy peace. Oh my word. It's a peace of God that transcends all understanding. So the facts may say this, but if we have the peace, this is what should happen. It guards our hearts and our minds. What time is it? Okay. I'm going to come into land. Did we see that? Yeah, the whole thing. Damien, thanks, mate. You're ahead of the game there. I'm going to finish. Last week, it was great. John um, got us together and saying to pray for commissioning. Powerful time. I got to know one or two people, and we prayed for each other. That's where I met David and the neonatal and what he does in arts and stuff. And there was something powerful about it because there's something happening. I don't know about you, but just recently, I've started to feel faith come into our room again. There was another thing that was said, I think it was by Sarah Halewood, that she said that there should be a release of courage. Be strong and very courageous. Be strong and very crazy. You talk about an overcoming spirit. And we've got to listen. People like Sarah Haywood, who I've just got to know recently. Oh my word, what a lady of substance. 
incredible lady. Talk about Father. She is a mother of this house. She is incredible what she says and what she does. And I listened. I thought, yep, we've got to be strong. And we've got to be very courageous. So this week, I want us to end a talk, actually, to make a confession. Now, these can either be words to you, or there'll be something that will speak life into your spirit. And that when you go out of here, whatever you may be doing afterwards, in your wilderness, which again is a positive thing, then you've got to start believing that some of these things can happen. So, what I want to do is let's just stand together. And we're going to make a confession. Oh, listen to the chairs. Great, we we. I want us to make a, a confession. It's Isaiah 35. So, Damon, if we can have the first of the slide on. Now, remember, okay, they can just be words or they can be proved to prove life to you and start to energize you again, whatever your situation is. And it may be desperate or it may be absolutely glorious. Let's start to think about our places where we are that these words can come to life. So, this is not just about us. This is about all the people around who we connect with, but it also includes us. So let's go through this all together. The desert. Next one. Joy will overtake them, and sorrow and sighing will flee away. Last slide. Let's stay standing. We're going to finish now. If we take that, if I, I really encourage you this week, somehow if you get a chance, Isaiah 35, start to look at it and look it through the lens of your everyday space, of where you live, of where you work, of where you do leisure, over your circumstances. And like I say, this is not just some triumphalistic tri- trivia. This is how spirituality works in the wild. And in the midst of our brokenness, in the midst of all our doubt, God can do something in these places. Let me pray. Father God, I want to thank you because of the great things we've seen this moment.
Lord, when these children were down here and we saw them having a moment and we observed and we looked and we smiled, we shed a tear. Maybe as part of it, we wanted to be that child again. Having that moment. Dancing before you. Having that awareness of only you and nobody else. We pray for those times in our life. I pray for every one of us, Lord, in this confession of what can be if we truly get hold of these words and allow them to bring life. Life in the streets, life in all the situations we face at work. In the streets of our city. And I pray, dear God, that we will have this moment again of understanding who you are. Our first love. We're sorry, Lord, when we um, disappoint you. We're sorry, Lord, when we fall away from you. We're sorry, Lord, when we make a mess of life. But Jesus, you are still here with us. And we are still here waiting. And I pray the hand of God will be upon us as a community. That we will be guided by you. We'll listen to what is being said. And we will make decisions which will be beautiful. And bring glory to you and to this city. And in our everyday spaces. Amen. Amen. Hope you enjoyed today's message. If you want to find out more, head to our website, vinelife.co.uk, or follow us on Instagram. God bless, and see you soon.